Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. Alrighty, we are joined today by a former bricklayer uh, by the name of Casey. <laughs> and you're being really you're leading into this one. Well, aren't you? I just I like tricking people. Mm. It's the shock value, you know. And then they're don't like, you think "Wait, they would have what?" Read the bio. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't think they do, Coxie. Uh, oh, g'day, great. listen. We are joined by a former bricklayer by, by the name of Casey today. Casey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> now, and there it is. Peeps. I'm, I'm hoping is. a few people just went, what, hang on. And it's, it's that, uh, you know, get them to actually listen. So, uh, Casey McKinley, have I said that right? McKinley or McKinley? It's McKinley. McKinley, okay. Um, you're probably destined to be a bricklayer with a name like that. Yeah, a Scottish, a Scottish background. <laughs> I, I don't look as burly as they do, that's for sure. <laughs> I can attest to that. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's probably not the normal trade that I would imagine a woman going into. And look, the we're recording uh, our interview with you in a week that I've probably made a few faux pas uh, with women. So... I'm probably just going to sit here and drink my fizzy water and let Coxie drive so that I don't oh, really? add you. I don't want to add you to my list of uh, women that I've managed to unwittingly upset <laughs> this week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, bricklaying. How on earth did you get into bricklaying? Well, I actually just wanted to do something different. I was 15 years old and I just thought that maybe working outside and and doing something with my hands would be the best way to go and it turns out i was good at it makes sense so. pretty impressive career uh full stop i'm i'm a bit of a fan of a bricklayer i think they do a great job and i see at the moment particularly there there's a real uh focus on the artistic abilities of bricklayers which i haven't seen for a long time because we're so bogged down in the whole um cookie cutter style housing i suppose big yeah. developments etc but at the moment i see particularly on instagram there's a real push for that artistic ability that i guess they've for a long time it's been shut down so i'm fascinated to think that that's a career that somebody chooses full stop because to me it looks really hard it's cold it's hot your hands would constantly be sore and cracking i assume yeah i would get the typical man hands where they had the blisters and um you know they were peeling constantly i would yeah they they were constantly rough actually but it was more getting the arm strength so mm. if you think of wheelbarrowing a, a barrel of the cement and it moving on you and having to have the strength to sort of hold it up as any tradie would would say probably cements mm. the hardest one and and the amount of times it goes over on a work side is is a lot and you'd hear everyone go of how how weak that person is for <laughs> for not being able to do it but it was actually getting the arm strength to to be able to pull my weight on the site 
That's, that's a, yeah. it's a, a big thing, isn't it? Sorry, Warwick, go on. Oh, you're, just, you're on a massive lag, Warwick. No, no, no. I was just going to say wheelbarrows full of cement is such an awful thing to push around. I've dumped so much uh, cement on the ground over the years. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I think many people have. <laughs> I, I actually built up my strength by taking little bits at a time when they didn't notice. So when I was first there, I'd only take little bits. I'll do double the amount of runs back and forth to, to set up my area. But uh, it, it meant that I wasn't embarrassing myself by tipping mm. any over. Yeah. It's hard enough being a woman on site without... Uh, those social pressures, I suppose, to perform and conform to the way that we expect the men to do the job. Um, and I can imagine, you know, at 15 particularly, that's so young, you must have had really broad shoulders. <laughs> yes, actually, uh, that and some good biceps. <laughs> um, the, the trick is trying not to lean to one side so you end up with one arm bigger than the other. That's but- so true. Uh, I was quite toned then. <laughs> it's it's um, a fascinating – finishing school at 15 is, is, a, is it's, it's a hard life choice, uh, full I stop. I didn't finish it. I continued with schooling and got my year 12 pass while working on the, brick so, uh, on the uh, work site. Holy moly. How on earth did you fit it all in? So I did two days of schooling and yep. three to four days of working on the site and did that to actually still get my, my year 12 pass, the equivalent of a VCE pass. I just didn't get an enter score at the wow. end of it all. So I was smart enough to do it. I just am a hands-on learner and yes. I liked being outside. So it was good to break it up. Otherwise, I would have dropped out. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and that's actually something we talk about quite frequently is the mother of three teen boys who are very hands-on. They're not uh, book smart, let's put it very nicely, because sometimes they listen to the podcast. <laughs> so they're not book smart and they'd much rather learn with their hands. And there are limited um, options for them with their higher schooling mm-hmm. for them to be able to do so. And I see now we've chosen a school based around that, knowing that they were um, tactile learners rather than you know, board learners. Um, so for them, there are some options that they've been able to investigate, much like what you're talking about. A couple of days a week, they're out on site doing certain jobs so they can finish their schooling as well. But um, I can think, you know, 10 years ago, some of those options really weren't there at all. Well, they were just starting to come out and they came with a massive stigma. It meant that you are too dumb to complete school life uh, instead of it just being an alternative choice. Mm. So I had to deal with it from my parents because both my siblings had done BCE and uh, got their end to score and that was the typical way to go and because I wanted to do something different and I sort of had to sit my parents down and see them leave school or, or do this other option. So what would you like? And they're like, okay, we'll support you. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what sort of changed them. But they, they see the benefits now. Uh, even though they couldn't see it back then, considering I fell pregnant at 17 as well. So I was really kicking some goals for my parents then <laughs> uh, um, with my choices. So, but they do look back and, and say it was a good option. Hmm. Hmm. Definitely in the good books by the sounds of it, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so taken a while. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the teen mum thing, obviously uh, we should – probably talk about that a little bit i one of um my clients who was also my accountant years ago 
was a, a teen mum as well, and I, I I spoke to her a fair bit about it over the years, and for her it was a big reason why she sort of succeeded in business um, because she had to deal with so much stuff, so much um, criticism and negativity and just the immense challenges that she faced at that young age ironically really set her up to be able to absolutely crush it in the corporate well, world. It makes you stronger. Mm. There's nothing like building a layer of skin <laughs> as, a, as a teen mum, yeah, let yeah, alone yeah. getting off the work site. So, um, yeah, it, it, it does create a massive drive to succeed because you want to prove everyone wrong. Mm. Mm. So that was you, a thing for you? Cause, and that's what I wanted to ask. Like how, how did that – I mean, so, it feels like such a dumb question, Casey, but how did it change you? You know, it's, it's not the norm quite unquote. Well, it changed me for, well, I was a single parent straight after I gave birth as well. So 18 single parent unemployed because you can't lift Mm. heavy things while pregnant and there's no such thing as maternity leave for bricklayers. So Mm. uh, it was uh, definitely a different start uh, and I had to change up everything that I was doing. So it it was challenging, but it, it changed me because I was looking at myself through my son's eyes then and going, all right, well, I need to be the best person I can be for him and to give him the best chances so he's not one of those stigmas either. Mm. Mm. So how did you how did you do that? Like what was uh, – obviously you've decided to do things differently, but what did different look like for you in that regard? So single mum – unemployed you've got a young son that you're obviously you know bringing up through the world it was getting as many jobs as i could Mm. at that time so i was i started off with avon the good old cosmetic uh, magazines so (laughs) i could walk around the streets with him in a pram and drop these off and then take orders and then i was working casually for promotional uh companies but many different companies so i could get called up uh uh, and get constant work through the week as well. And so I was just doing whatever it took to, to save some money because I was on the single parenting benefits. And so after the fortnight of budgeting, I actually had $18 to myself. That was it. Uh, and that's not enough to survive. <laughs> so I, that drive was there to, to get some money behind me as well so I could potentially even purchase a property by myself. I didn't want to have to need anyone either i didn't want to have to need a partner to mm. to go through life so um, I, that kind of drive sure those situations forces that drive to become part of who we are mm. but we all either have it in us or we don't can you recall other times in your life prior to this situation in which you had a drive that perhaps you didn't see in others yeah well my my first business was actually at 13 years old i learned to braid hair uh, and realised in my school people would go to the markets to have their hair braided and, and pay $75 and it would only take an hour. So I was charging 50 and uh, getting that done because my parents didn't have a lot of money themselves. So they, we were the standard sort of middle class where we had enough to survive, we were comfortable, but, but nothing extra. Hmm. So I had that drive back then to, to want more for myself and I did it. Hmm. So, That's sorry. fascinating. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, 
We've got internet lag, um, three people in three different locations. I think we're doing pretty well. Minor yeah. challenges compared to what we're listening to you talk about, Casey, that's for sure. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm very much a believer that you're born with that drive or you're not. I think that you can learn that drive, but it's harder to teach someone how to strive for something than it is when you're born with that in your gut. Like you're just ready to strive for whatever it is that's on your list of things to strive for. I, I have um, two kids out of five that are real strivers. They will do whatever it takes to get to that thing that they're chasing, whether it be a personal accomplishment or something bright and shiny or a vehicle or whatever it is, they will do whatever it takes. And then the other three, they just don't really have that sense of drive. They'll work hard. They're um, sturdy, good, honest workers, but they, they, they lack the drive. I think drive is something that very much you're either born with or you're not. So it's always fascinating to me when we speak to somebody like yourself to see if there was a time before the time we're talking about, like you've language today. Really interesting. Do you see, well, actually we had a little chat off air before we started. And my question was going to be, do you see the same drive in your children? You've got two kids, one's only a little baby, but you did reveal before we started the episode today that your son is quite the entrepreneur himself at a very tender age. Yes, he's quite the negotiator on top of that. So he does charge us to settle our baby because he does it quicker than we do. So our four-month-old girl, Aria, um, gets upset in witching hour as every baby has between five and eight. And mm -hmm. sometimes we just can't, can't do it. And we look to Kingston, our 10-year-old boy, and he does it so quickly that it really gets to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it just is ridiculous ridiculous and, and now he's turned to us and he's like all right you want us to you want me to settle it'll cost you five bucks <laughs> oh, there's a big bright future and, yeah as a baby screaming you're like all right we'll pay take it yeah <laughs> that's hilarious so he, he definitely has that little little drive or willing to negotiate everything sort of comes at a cost to us at the moment, which I don't know is a good thing or a bad thing. Sometimes we're like, you can't, you're too expensive. So, uh, no, it's, it's quite nice to see the skills coming through at a young age though. He does value himself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's a really important thing. Cause I think, uh, a lot of young people now don't value themselves, um, of, of all genders. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, I think we frown too much on, kids getting that idea about money and, and valuing things. And I think it can be done in a way that, that becomes positive rather than sort of a negative relationship with money. So um, obviously your background, Casey, you know, you, you said your family had enough, but only just enough. And, um, you know, you've come through as a, as a single mum. Did you find any sort of um, tricky relationships with money uh, as a result of all of that? What's been your experience and, and sort of relationship with the folding stuff? Uh, no, I ended up being quite good with budgeting at the end of it all. Uh, everything was budgeted and it wasn't until my business was quite successful that I was able to loosen up on that. But even then, I, so I managed to create a successful events uh, and promotions company and was employing a hundred people within five years. Um, and then also out of that created a secondary business, which was uh, my aerial dance studio that I built from scratch. Now money came into play massively when I was building 
the second company because it was a physical building. Mm. And as any renovation would go, it cost you triple the amount than you actually budget for. So I ran out of money halfway through that and I had to relearn uh, how to to rebudget and get it back on track or, or do whatever was necessary to make it successful in the end. I'm really interested, Casey. Sorry, listeners, there's terrible lag. Mark and I are looking at each other and we're not sure who's going to jump in because generally he's frozen like he has right now. Um, Casey, I'm really interested to learn. So you, you, you've um, let the cat out of the bag there a little bit on the fact that you are now extraordinarily successful businesswoman. I'd love to understand the transition time from being a young single mum to owning these two big businesses that you have or still own? Do you still have them both? I or? sold them right before yes. uh, all this happened, so I'm quite happy. Yeah, I okay, you are. Uh, the events company a year and a half ago, and I sold the uh, aerial dance studio, but the business and not the building. So I kept the building, and I've managed Never. to keep that as an income uh, through this time. And uh, yeah, I sold the the aerial dance business. What was it eight months ago? Mm-hmm. So it was great timing. Wow. I'm so happy with all of that. Couldn't Jack be better, that. really. Couldn't, no. <laughs> so take us through some of that journey to getting to that point where those businesses were able to be sold from being a teen mum walking the streets with an Avon catalogue, trying to do what you can to earn enough to get by. Oh, it, it, the drive came when I realised I was actually good at chatting to people. So promotions and events was where I flourished a lot and talking to Uh, the different businesses. So I was working a lot for the shopping centres at the time, uh, like the Westfields and Murbacks, DFOs and shopping centres, and I was able to gauge what they were missing from the other events companies. So I just it just tweaked in my, in my head and I was like, I could provide this for you. But I was, again, 19 years old when I realised this, so I started researching how to set up my own company and it took a lot of Googling because my parents don't come from a business background at all. My, my dad worked in a factory, my mum was a PA at a school, so there was no one I could talk to about it, so good old Google came in handy and, and a few calls to different accountants to, to set up this business and get the right insurances just so when the conversation came time to have with these shopping centres to possibly come through me, uh, I, I could be ready. And at 20 years old, that's what happened. So I worked on a campaign for the Westfield shopping centres and they were competing against each other nationally and I knew that if I got my shopping centre number one, amongst that then I could turn around and say actually you come through me and that's what Mm. happened Uh, so I got the shopping center number one I turned around and said to them if you want to book me for all these events which they're all ready to do you you need to come through me and they're like actually could you provide us with staff and I hadn't thought of that so I just off the cuff was like, yes, I've got friends, cousins, family, like who who could I hire (laughs) at the time? Yes, of course I could provide. And and that was it. I was in business with Westfield as my first client. Wow. (laughs) So what what were some of the fast lessons you had to learn then once you'd uh, sort of had that initial win? Sorry, you broke up a little bit. <laughs> I'm being confounded by the internet here. Um, what were some of the quick lessons you had to learn uh, after that point, Casey? To back myself because no one else was going to. I had been advised that I wasn't going to earn enough to have 
a, a company number even people had told me to keep as a sole trader because my turnover won't be that high and within the first year I doubled it so uh, I back yourself and don't be afraid of failing I said yes to so many things that I wasn't sure whether I could provide that you know next minute they were asking me for chefs to do cooking demonstrations and I just had to pawn them so if you back yourself and and you you put out there um, you know, your you confidence in providing a service, then, then just make it happen. Mm. I also upskilled where I could. So I, I went back to school and got a diploma of business. So learning and continuing to learn is so important. And actually finding that love again of learning because I didn't necessarily have it at school. It's very different after school. It is very different after school. I can uh, agree with you there. I'm really interested, Casey, particularly for our female listeners, just to touch on something that I know I've suffered a lot with as a parent. And like you, I've had my own businesses right from when I was, um, I think 23 was my first one, so a little bit older than you, but also a young mum. And I worked my butt off. There's no two ways about it. Very similar to what you're explaining. There was very little time for my kids. And one of the biggest struggles I had as a parent and a working mum was dealing with that guilt of not necessarily doing what maybe society thought I might do as a parent. Mm. I now know, given that my kids are on the other end of the spectrum, they're all adults. They have amazing careers. They're good kids that strive and have drive and, and they've got a great work ethic. I believe it was the right thing for my family at the time. But at the time I was so bogged down in the guilt of working so hard, not having the amount of time that society deemed I should have for my children. Is that something that you went through as well? It's it, Yes, I definitely did. It's not only as a parent, it's actually as a mum. Everyone expects you to stay at home as a mum. Uh, and, and the fact that you could be working and away from your child, like I feel like it's changed a bit at this time. Um, because, you know, everyone's about being an entrepreneur and, and, and working and having that work-life balance and doing stuff for yourself. Um, but back then, especially 10 years ago, everyone expected you to stay at home and being away from your child meant that, you know, for some reason they were at a disadvantage mm. um, when really providing for that child would be more of an advantage to them than you necessarily being with them. Um, but getting that balance right, was hard in mm. itself uh, because there'd be times where I would be working so much that he would be in childcare a lot more and, and all of a sudden he'd be enjoying being in childcare more than coming home to me. And I feel like that affected me a bit more to put some balances in place um, and helped sort of get over that guilt because I realised actually I don't need to do it all. I don't need to be at every job that every booking that came through my business. Um, one of those things that as a, as a new business owner, you definitely think that you need to be there a hundred percent of the time and you need to be on call hundred percent of the time. And that's not the case. Life will go on. Your business will survive without you being there 24 mm-hmm. seven. Um, so having that learning curve uh, and and adapting to it helped actually with the guilt of, of being away from him because all of a sudden I was incorporating him into my business when I could. So he came to work with me or um, when I got home, I made sure it was quality time that we had in my phone. I wasn't connected to those sorts of things were put in place. And, and all of a sudden it, it was, uh, the balance came in and 
it felt good. It, mm. it felt like it was the right thing to do. But you definitely go through those phases where you're, ne you're not necessarily around them as much as you, you think you should be or society think you should be. Um, but they wouldn't be saying that to the corporate man that's working 70 hours a week. So you've got to think about that as well. It's an interesting point that you raise. They don't say it to the corporate men. They don't say it to the poor tradies either. And yet the tradies also want to be at home with their families. They don't want to be working, you know, 70, 80 hours a week the way that so many of us do. So it's a great parallel that you draw there. I'm um, really intrigued to understand the fundamentals behind setting up a business that, sure, you could see a better way to do things in the promotions business, but there would have been like that's such a parallel to what you were doing bricklaying and schooling and home um being a young mum they're so different that skill set's very different yes you did your diploma of business but how did you was it just a was it really just the relationships that led to a successful business or was it upskilling or was it a combination of both what what do you think was the success factor no, it was definitely relationships because I did it all just from like my mobile phone. I didn't have a website or anything fancy to put myself out there. It was literally the, the conversations that I was having through, through working. That was it. And so it was, I think, uh, the social skills came into it and it definitely comes into it with having a successful business. Um, I would say that would be the the main defining factor of, of doing so well. I agree. And I think that that can transpire to our trade businesses as well. It's all about the relationships and uh, without a good relationship, well, it's the no like, and trust factor and they can't know, like, and trust you if you haven't taken the time to develop a relationship with your said clients, whether it be a one-time client or an ongoing client, like a Westfield client, if you haven't taken the time to develop and nurture that relationship, it's very hard to continue to have a business or to have the, I guess, feedback. So you've got new people coming into your business as well. Well, that's it. It was all about word of mouth for me mm. and that's how it grew. So I grew very quickly in a short period of time through word of mouth because I was reliable and, and just did a good job really. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, they needed people on the floor handing out flyers or, or running craft activities. So I'd be Googling different crafts to do and, and, you know, spending all night cutting and preparing all this stuff to, for, to then send out with, with my staff to, to run with kids on the floor. So uh, it, yeah, it definitely took word of mouth and, and um, uh, the relationships. Casey, uh, I if, would, sorry, I <laughs> if you could actually hear me speaking because uh, I think the cable has broken between Tasmania and the mainland today uh, <laughs> for the internet. But um, going from uh, sort of that, you know, business owner, multiple business owner, uh, you said you sold those businesses now. What was, what was that? transition like and you know how has life changed now that you're not sort of at the the helm of your own ship in that regard uh i'm just curious to know how you've sort of moved out of that well i've realized i like to keep busy no matter what so <laughs> what's the next project <laughs> uh, well yeah i've got the book that's come out and now i'm doing you know different radio shows and and like tv appearances and and that's keeping me busy and my child's like, oh it's meant to be taking it easy with this one, uh, you know, with my four month old. So uh, I, I realized I'm not, and it's probably not in me to take it easy. So, uh, but the transition 
uh, I think uh, without the events company, because that was more a 24 hour a day gig, mm. uh, that was a massive transition because I had that for eight years. And to all of a sudden not be on call or have a million staff out doing different things uh, at different times and needing to know what everyone was doing and having those constant phone calls come through of something's missing or this person needs to rock up um, actually was a bit of a relief. Uh, I think I'd worked so hard for for a long time that I was like, wow, not having this is a bit of a holiday. And It, it was quite nice, but I still also had the destruction of the other company to keep me going. So I feel like if I went from that to nothing, that would be hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, Casey, uh, so you've written a book, which is um, clearly the universe's way of pointing out to me that I need to write <laughs> my book as well. Cause the we, universe does not revolve around you, Warwick. We, uh, <laughs> no, that's been made patently clear to me in the last week. Um, <laughs> but uh, the title, I'm often fascinated by the titles of books, whether they are just super simple, you know, a marketing message, or if there's something else behind it for the author. Is, is there, like, what's in the title of your book for you, Casey? So my title is actually Girls Don't Lay Bricks because... Uh, you, you would think they don't actually. And I was told by the site supervisor, even when I started working that, uh, to go get a real job every day. So I, I had to push through that and do it anyway. And I think it, it sort of comes to empowering women on it in a different level because you look at that uh, title and you're actually like, yeah, they do. Yeah, they can. And you, you want to know more. So mm-hmm. that was the thought behind it. And so the process to deciding to write a book, like what was behind that? Oh, I lost no. you for <laughs> I'm, I can see Sorry. you both shaking your heads and uh, that says either that was a really crappy question, uh, don't ask that question was, or uh, <laughs> we're not getting you. <laughs> yeah, um, we did not get any of that. So uh, this is not uncommon. So the, the um, decision behind writing the book, like what, why write a book? Well, I just thought if I could inspire at least one person to change their life for the better, then it would be worthwhile doing. Uh, and I, I've been doing a bit of motivational speaking at schools and different businesses and just thought that they always want to know more about my journey or the little intricate details that you can't think of off the cuff um, that I, I needed to write down to have there. So it's something that I can hand to them and go, actually, here's more if you want to know more. I love talking at schools. I've done quite a bit of talking as a lady in the trading industry at schools to girls in particular. I love the, watching the light bulbs go off for those kids, um, understanding what so I can actually go and lay bricks so I can go and build a house or I can be involved in the industry in a direct way. It's one of my most favourite things to do is to open up the ground to the possibilities for kids especially, um, but anybody really. So I can really understand the motivation behind writing the book. And now I guess the opportunity that that affords you is to talk to more people and give them the opportunity to hear your story and take some inspiration from that story. Well, that's exactly it. And and I'm much the same. I definitely love going out to, to schools and different businesses and just seeing the looks on their face, like, a you know, that light bulb moment mm-hmm. comes into it. Like they look at, like my first photo is bricklayer to CEO and you've got uh, me 
laying bricks on the work side and then me with Kim Kardashian because I worked on her campaigns when she came out for Quick Trim. So, you know, that contrast of mm. actually, not only that, you're not stuck to one thing. There's such an immense pressure on kids nowadays to choose what they want to do for the rest of their lives at 15 years old. Mm. And, and really, you can change. Like, you can change what you're doing and, and that doesn't make you any less successful. Mm. Uh, if you can hear me, Casey, <laughs> uh, what do you wish um, some of the adults in your life had told you as a as a teenager? I wish someone had told me to get a mentor. I didn't have a mentor through this process. I didn't have anyone to look to for business advice. I'm lucky I've got amazing business people around me now. But but back then when you really need that, you know, realistic advice, or it would have helped not have so many sort of mistakes or failures through, through it. Mm. Um, so if someone had have encouraged me to find that person early on, I feel like that would have helped a lot. And have you had any... I think that's great advice for... <laughs> have, have you had any mentors the since then i know i'm really sorry listeners um but um, we're going to push through uh, maybe i'll just stop speaking coxie will love that uh <laughs> and coxie can just run the interview with you casey but uh mentors um who've been some of your notable mentors and and why why have they been notable for you I'm lucky enough to have um, Jeff Harris around me now that's uh, the founder of Flight Centre, um, first investor of Boost Juice. In turn, that gave me Janine Ellis as well um, so I can contact her when, when I needed, um, especially when I was going through the transition process after having my two companies because I was like, oh, I could do this and this and this. And, and she was like, hang on, go back to basics and really sort of grounded me uh, within one conversation. I was like, okay, all right, that's that's what I needed at that time. So um, I am very lucky to have those business people, big business people around me now. It's fantastic to have the opportunity to speak with such – they're both amazing people. I'm a little bit envious actually. But um, – just having a mentor, and it's obviously something we talk a lot about because it's part of what we do, but having a mentor in business is so incredibly important to help you with your sense of direction. Is that something you would agree with, Casey, to try and narrow down the field? Like our, our focus as business owners is very broad. Yeah. And there's so many things that we need to be looking at, but not necessarily focusing in on at one specific time. So when you worked, I think you've just languaged it. I'm probably answering your own question for you. You've just spoken about how you were able to have one conversation and have your focus narrowed rather than that broad focus. Yeah. Maybe I could reframe the question and ask you, what are some of the other key points to working with a mentor that really helped you in your business journey? Well, most of my mentors came at the end of the journey, so that transition out of business actually and how, how to do that successfully and, and to not lose yourself within that as well because all of a sudden your identity is not there. Like, okay, I'm not actually a CEO. I've transitioned to author and motivational speaker. What's, what happens with that? Uh, so they've helped with that as well um so just having someone to to bounce those sorts of things off and to necessarily know you on a on a different level to to really gauge in on on what could be beneficial for you but also looking to someone that might be in the same industry as you mm. 
Um, they, they were around retail and, and they were in growth and, and a few different things as well as the health and fitness. So uh, it was quite handy to bounce, bounce some extra things off that I was planning at the time them so because I created a aerial dance a competition that I'm working on at the moment and and I was trying to ask for sponsorship so they came in handy how do I approach these big businesses how do you get approached to sponsor and then I was able to use that to to get Lord and Jane on board so things like that they came in handy for as well because you're able to pick their brains on a, on a bigger business level and go actually how do you respond to this and mm. what's the best way to approach someone like you Okay, I'm fascinated by the whole aerial dance thing. It's a new area for me. You better talk me through this. Can you make me understand what aerial dancing is? Okay, so uh, my aerial dance studio was uh, pole dancing, aerial yoga, aerial hoop and aerial silks. What you'd see pink do, you know, in the ribbons, that's aerial silks. So I created the first competition for aerial silks uh, dedicated in in Australia that started last year. Well, that's about as far away from laying bricks as you can possibly get, one would think. <laughs> yeah, Each end really, of the spectrum. Really transitioning through it all. But you use your arms. Does that count? Well, yes, it does. That's a good point. Yeah. So, I've, I've got arms, that... but I don't think I'd be getting myself tangled up in some silk hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, I don't ever <laughs> want to see you near silk, full stop. Let's leave <laughs> that conversation right there. <laughs> Very entertaining. Um, Casey, how did that come about? Was that born just through a passion, something that you did yourself and enjoyed or...? So actually after I had uh, my son, my muscles were separated through my stomach and he had fractured my tailbone. So I couldn't do normal exercise, which was, you know, walking, running, um, going to the gym, that sort of thing. Uh, I picked up pole dancing because that was all core work and mostly in the air, so less extensive on on the rest of my body. And I had that as a hobby and slowly got into the other types. So I'm a qualified aerial dance studio, uh, aerial um, yoga instructor now, but um, like it slowly got me into all the other types of aerial dance. And when I opened up my, my company, it was actually the only one in a half an hour radius of people offering what I was offering. So that circus training and it was just uh, something new for people to do and, and they love to learn. So it was good fun. That's fascinating. And so often something that you enjoy can turn into a right business for you because you are passionate about it on one strength or another and sharing that love and that passion for something creates enthusiasm in which other people then want to buy into that even, just that nice feeling. And it's something that we can do within our trade businesses. You don't have to be passionate about swinging a hammer, but you can be passionate about uh, the end result of what it is that you do or changing people's lives or giving them the opportunity to um, have a bigger home or a um, power that isn't going to kill anyone because it's done correctly rather than a diy job or internet that works is there anybody out there that knows how to get the internet you say as you pause again i know oh my gosh oh my goodness (laughs) i hope we're recording this one because this will be fantastic on the youtube channel there's so many pauses of your face where you look like i normally do like i look fine at my end coxie i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) i was actually imagining a bunch of tradies doing aerial yoga or something I would like to see that. (laughs) You'd be surprised the type of, like, you know, there's some of the men that you do get through and um, because a lot of bodybuilders do aerial yoga uh, to stretch out their muscles. So after, because they get so tense from lifting all the the weights, it's great because it supports you as you get that stretch. 
Wow, that's fascinating. Casey, what's next for you? Who knows? No, I, um, <laughs> I'm open to new things. I create my own opportunities when, when I feel like I need something else in my life. So um, I'm focusing on the book, the motivational speaking, and, and I'll continue to grow this Aerial Silks competition. So speaking about your book, where can our tradies, because I know they're going to want to rush out and buy this for themselves and their partners, where can they find your book? All the major retailers, Amazon, Dimmix, QBD, Books, um, Booktopia are all stocking it. You can also get it through my own website, which is um, www.caseymckinlay.com.au. I won't spell all that out. That'll take a while, but <laughs> I'm sure you'll have a link somewhere for me. We will. The yeah, link will be in the show notes. Thank you. Absolutely, on the website. Um, so, Casey, I'm I'm going to ask one question while the internet's still working, uh, and it's it's my usual question. But uh, if you had a thousand tradies, well, let's say trade business owners, if you had a thousand trade business owners in a room, what's one piece of advice you'd like to leave them with? What's your plan, your exit plan? I find a lot of tradies because they are they the business. How do they? How are they going to exit? their business and or continue it to be successful without them have you planned that out um and i would be uh, concentrating on getting them to focus on that because that would be the next step so yes you've got a successful business um what's how do you phase yourself out of that so you can enjoy uh the fruits of your labor and and relax a little it's a great tip. I like it. It is. And sadly, I think there'd be more uh, blank expressions than I've had on this podcast when the internet freezes uh, in response to that question. <laughs> yeah, it's not something that a lot of people think about and that's no. why. Especially I, not I trade businesses. Up. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's a exactly great point. They are they, their business. Mm. That's uh, right. That's right. Well, uh, <laughs> despite the tech issues, Casey, um, it's been fantastic having you on the podcast. Um, fantastic story. And, uh, yeah, just uh, I, I feel very humbled actually talking to somebody like you um, and you guys are laughing, which means that either I've frozen or I'm being a knob. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we just missed a whole gap of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the, I think that the funnier part about this is that because of the cool technology, we actually can capture the, the source audio of each of us. Uh, so the listeners are probably listening to me in real time going, what are they laughing at him for? It's fine. <laughs> Which wouldn't be unusual for me, but Casey, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Um very humbled to, to listen to your story and I'm sure there's uh, going to be some listeners and, and hopefully look some, some tradie wives or some lady tradies out there uh, who perhaps, you know, just stop and, and give themselves a bit more credit than, than they normally do um, hearing your story and just some of the points you've shared. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, at the end of the day, you just need to be kind to yourself. I think we're our own worst critics sometimes and, and that's where it comes down to. Just be kind to yourself. It's time. I couldn't agree more. Thank you, Casey. Thanks. Well, apart from the internet issues, Coxie. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, what a chat. What a story. Thank goodness Casey is so adept at being uh, able to change on the fly so that she was able to cope with the fact that your internet was dreadful today. Well, so you're making the assumption it was my internet, Coxie. Oh my goodness, it's done it again on my end. <laughs> Maybe it's I your have internet. no idea what you just said. 
I've got excellent internet. What are you talking about? I don't know why we all get so uh, uppity about whose internet is is the worst because it's like it's not even our fault. It's the internet's fault. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) However, it was your face that was making weird, I don't know what you'd even call them. Even weirder than normal. Anyway, enough about my face and the internet. Um, Great chat with Casey. Such an amazing story. uh, I'm pretty keen to get a copy of her book and give it a read uh, and find out a bit more about, uh, I suppose, the the details of her journey into business and doing all that as a as a teen mum. I just that always blows me away. Um, Such a huge hurdle to overcome in life. So. yeah, hopefully you got some some inspiration or some good tips or ideas out of that. Um, if you want to check out uh, Casey's book and Casey's uh, story a bit further, go to caseymckinlay.com.au. It's M-A-C-K-I-N-L-A-Y, uh, caseymckinlay.com.au. And we'll also put the links in the show notes, of course. Um, it was good to hear her talk about mentors, Coxie. I was about to chuck Norris that one, but you did it for me. <laughs> I wanted to get in before you did. Well, I did so much of the talking in this podcast. It's probably good that you do the whole of the outro so people don't get sick of me. <laughs> I was actually wondering if the internet had let me down and you disappeared. No, I'm here. Uh, but yes, um, having some mentors was was one of the key things that Casey obviously talked about, um, you know, she wished she'd had at a younger age. And um, you can get your very own mentor you. as a podcast listener. You could have Coxie as your mentor. I guarantee that I will be very nice to you and poke you with a big stick until you get your stuff done. Yeah, you'll hit people over the head nicely. I'll be I'll <laughs> smile while I'm doing it. In Would a that make it easier? Way. I, yes. I, I do it's love from all a of place our tradies. Love Coxie. <laughs> I love all of our tradies. But uh, if you if you listen to that and thought, oh, a mentor, hey, or getting someone to guide you, I mean, imagine if you could talk to the dude that started Flight Center or the uh, the chick that kicked off Boost Juice. That'd be pretty cool. Janine and mm. Jeff. Jeff. Uh, so, you know, Coxie's pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, I kicked off uh, a bar. I made a bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You ran a building company. Uh, you, you're the co-founder of Tradies in Business. I am. I am mm-hmm. a builder's wife. Do you know it is the number one thing that started my community was the fact that I didn't have anybody to talk to about what I was doing. I felt alone. So I created a community, which is now for your benefit, Tradies in Business. Mm. We also have a community here for you so you don't feel alone. We can help you. And you don't need to pay what it might cost you to talk to Janine from Boost Juice because <laughs> I don't imagine her hourly rate's low. No. If you can even get her. Um, but you can have us uh, for free and not because we're cheap. Does that mean <laughs> we're no because... good? <laughs> no, it means we're generous, Coxie. We are generous. Uh, we've opened up our, our um, premium subscription for free. For your first month, not our first month, for your first month. So you get 30 days for free uh, with the coupon code TRADIES for TRADIES. So just head on over to our website, tradiesinbusiness.com.au, have a look at the Work With Us page, and um, you can jump in for free for 30 days. Get some uh, support, some mentoring, become part of a community of business owners 
just like Casey. Love it. Anyway, go check it out. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. And we've got more gold coming to your ear hells tomorrow. Aren't you lucky? <laughs> Me or our listeners? No, isn't this the point where our listeners sit back and think, thank goodness for the coronavirus, otherwise I wouldn't get to listen to Wazen Nick every day. Every day. <laughs> every day. Uh, oh, thanks anyway, for listening. Uh, yeah, thanks for dropping by. Hooray. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business Podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.